This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, and we may have those of you that are watching today for the very first time, and we want to thank you for tuning in. We have some of you that watch every time we're on the air. We appreciate your encouragement in the preaching of the gospel. Now, today on our telecast, our subject is entitled, A Great Evangelistic Meeting. I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss that subject today. Now, on our telecast, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize that this course is free. We're not going to be asking for any money. We do not ask for money on getting to know your Bible. Anything that we offer is free of charge. We want you to have it. And in order that you might know more about the course that we're talking about, that you might know how that you can receive it without cost, let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm going to be reading now from the second chapter of Acts, beginning in verse 36, and I'll be reading through verse 41. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did you testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation." There are many great events that are recorded in Scripture. There is the creation of the world as a great event when God spoke and it was done. And then think about the time that God came down upon top of Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments, the first written law to to Moses and to the children of Israel. And then there was the event of the crossing of the Red Sea. And then finally there was the event of the crossing of the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Another great event in the Bible was the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Another great event was His death upon the cross. And there was His resurrection and finally His ascension. But the second chapter of Acts contains a great event. And I'm going to refer to it as a great evangelistic meeting. 
And there was great preparation involved in this great meeting. You see, the day in Acts chapter 2 was in God's eternal purpose and His eternal plan. It was not an accident, but it was being planned over a period of some 4,000 years. God was bringing that day to pass. For example, in Genesis, the third chapter and verse 15, the Lord said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. That was an early promise in the Old Testament that God was going to bring a Redeemer into the world through the seed of the woman. And that Redeemer, of course, was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, there was a promise that was made to Abraham. And the promise was, Get thee up out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thy name great. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. When God made these promises in Genesis, He was looking toward the time that the church would come into existence and the events of Acts chapter 2. In Isaiah the second chapter in verse 2, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, for he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Oh, it was in a state of preparation. You see, the events of Acts chapter 2 were in the eternal plan of God Almighty. Ephesians, the third chapter, verses 10 and 11. To the intent now, that under the principalities and powers and heavenly places, let me made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So for many hundreds and hundreds of years, God was planning the events that took place in Acts chapter 2. This was a great day. It was the first day of the week. The very first verse of Acts chapter 2 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. In the Old Testament, in the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, and in verses 15 and 16, the Jews were to count seven Sabbath days. That would have been seven Saturdays. And on the day following the seventh Sabbath day, they were to observe Pentecost. Now that would have been on the first day of the week. And it was upon the first day of the week that the events of Acts chapter 2 took place. It was upon the first day of the week that the first fruits of the harvest were to be offered. And it would be upon the first day of the week that the first fruits of the gospel would be produced. So there was great preparation for this event, and it was a great day. 
It was the first day. But there was a great crowd that was assembled on this occasion. If you'll notice in verse 5, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from, from out of every nation under heaven. There was a great crowd. I don't know how many people were gathered there. I've seen various estimates. Some have estimated 50,000 and some a million. So I don't know how many people were gathered. I just know that there were devout men out of every nation under heaven. And these were not religious fanatics. They were devout men. But you see, their hands were stained with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But on this day, there was also a great show of power. Beginning in the very first verse, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire. It wasn't actually fire, but as a cloven tongue like fire. And it set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was on this occasion that the apostles were endowed with the power to speak in languages that they had never studied. Languages that they had never learned the languages of the people. Look at verse 6 following. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in what? Heard them speak in his own language. It was not some unintelligible utterance, but it was an actual language, an actual tongue. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How here we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And then beginning in verse 9, he tells the various places from whence they came. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and in Egypt and the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers, Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. Listen to verse 11. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. The miracle of languages was taking place. And the apostles were endowed with the power to speak in the languages of all of these people that were gathered in the city of Jerusalem. They didn't have time to go and learn the languages. God saw to it that they could speak the languages in order that they might be able to preach the gospel to these people. And so there were, they were amazed and, and they were in doubt saying, What meaneth this? That's verse 12. Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known in you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. What happened was the apostles were able to speak tongues or languages, actual languages, that they had never studied. 
This was according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, one of the signs of an apostle. But now there was a great sermon preached on this occasion, beginning in verse 15, where Peter said, These are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is about the third hour of the day. He clears away the confusion. There were those when they saw what was happening by the apostles. They, they were speaking in these tongues. They thought these men just must be drunk because we can hear them speak in our own tongue, in our own languages. But then in verse 16, Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he has reference to a prophecy in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. And the prophecy is now being fulfilled. And listen as Peter quotes that prophecy. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's preaching this prophecy of Joel. He's quoting that prophecy. And in verse 22, he begins to preach to them about Jesus. Listen to him. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Je Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Now think about verse 22 for a moment. He said, I want you to know that Jesus of Nazareth was a man approved of God, and God put his stamp of approval on him by the various miracles, wonders, and signs which he performed, and he did it in the midst of you right in your midst, in your company, in your hearing, and in your ability to see. He says, as ye yourselves also know. And I find it interesting that no one denied what he said. Now listen to verse 23. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. You talk about a courageous preacher. It was the Apostle Peter. He accused these people of crucifying the Son of God. Now verse 24, the good news, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So he's preaching life, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, likely there were some there that would not believe what he said. But if there was another prophet that they would listen to, it would be the prophet David.
So beginning in verse 25, he says, For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, my tongue was glad, moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because I will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that is both dead and buried in his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now listen to verse 31. This is David's commentary, his inspired commentary on the prophecy of... This is Peter's commentary on David's prophecy from Psalm 16 where he said, I will not leave my soul in hell neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And listen to him. He's seeing this before. Spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Why, he's saying Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God Almighty. And then he says, For David has not ascended in the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes my footstool. And then that's when Peter said, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly, that is, beyond any doubt, that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and and Christ, both Lord and Christ. Now notice verse 37. And the, notice the question that is asked in verse 37. Now when they heard this, when they heard this sermon about Jesus, when they heard that the one that had been crucified was the awaited Messiah, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Friend, there's not a more important question that a person could ever ask than that question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, what answer were they given? What, what, what were they told? Well, let's look at the answer in verse number 38. In verse 38, he said, Peter said unto them, Repent. Repent. And be baptized. How many of us, Peter? Every one of you. Every one of you. By whose authority? In the name of Jesus Christ. For what reason? For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now notice this. He preached Christ. 
And when he did, the people asked, What shall we do? And the answer given was, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you will allow me, let's just put that verse 38 into the form of a mathematical equation. Repentance plus baptism equals remission of sins or salvation. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, that's just your interpretation. No, that's just the verse. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who will receive remission of sins? Those who repent and those who are baptized will receive remission of sins. That was the answer given to the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Oh, what a great sermon. I wonder what kind of results occurred on this occasion. Look in verse 41, and we see the results of the sermon that Peter preached on Pentecost. Then they that gladly received the word, or his word, were baptized. And the same day there was added unto them about three souls there, there were about 3,000 people baptized on that occasion wonder why they didn't say why don't we wait a while why, why don't we wait until we have 6,000 that want to be baptized before we start baptizing anyone or why don't we have a baptizing Sunday when we're going to baptize the people it was because they had been taught and they believed that when you repent and you're baptized, you will receive remission of sins. And when they were baptized, according to verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. They were steadfast. They were faithful to the Lord. But have you ever wondered what happened to these people once they were baptized? Have you ever wondered what church they became members of once they were baptized? Now you have to understand that Acts the second chapter is an account of the birthday of the church. The day that the church came into existence, the day that the church began, on the first day of the week. And Peter has preached this sermon about Jesus, about his life, his death, his resurrection. And now the people ask, what shall we do? And his answer was, repent and be baptized. And about three 
5,000 people were baptized that very day. But what happened to them after that? Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all of the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The, those that were saved were being added to the church by the Lord. You see the same thing that saved their soul. Put them into the body of Christ, the church. And the same thing that would put them into the body of Christ, the church, saved their soul. You don't do one thing to become a Christian and something else to become a member of the church. Once we believe the gospel and obey the gospel, through faith in Christ, repentance of sin, and baptism into Christ, and we're added to the church by the Lord. No one is going to vote as to whether or not you can be a member of the church. No, no. Because that is strictly God's business. He will add you to his church, to the body. This I have rehearsed with you, the events of Acts chapter 2. A great evangelistic meeting. You say, well, what relevance is that for us in the 21st century? I have related to you what men and women did in the first century to, it, that, to, to be saved, to be right with God, and hence to be prepared for eternity. And friends, if we would do the exact same thing in the 21st century that they did in the first century, we would be and we would become everything that they became and everything that they were. And we would just simply be added to the church by the Lord. And we would serve the Lord faithfully with steadfastness as did they. And I would urge you to think on these things and to meditate strongly upon this chapter. Because this is a pivotal chapter in the Bible. A scene of a great evangelistic meeting. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you an invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And may I also urge you to pick up the telephone and to call the number that you have seen on the screen. It's a toll-free number. You call that number. And you request the free Bible Correspondence Course. May I, may I urge you to do that today. Thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.